How much time do you want for your progress? progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and B.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. Today is October the 27th, 2021, and it is indeed a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and this neighborhood that I am in today is a different location in person with the Reverend Dr. Brenda Hayes. Dr. Hayes? Hey, Dr. Cooper. What a time, what a time, what a time, what an amazing opportunity to sit here across from you in this time and space in which we have seen the handiwork of God and understanding God's providence. Who would have thought that three generations of scholars who studied at the same seminary could be in the same space at the same time, only in the mind of God. It's almost like, the school of Paul imparting to his student Timothy and then Timothy imparting to whoever followed Timothy. That's the sequence, I believe. You know, here you are, a graduate of Eden Theological Seminary who encouraged me, not only encouraged me, but took me straight to the school and said, you're going here. And, uh, that very day was able to see God move and provide a way. And then lo and behold, here is the daughter of someone that I met in India in 2003. She was three years old. That's now in seminary at our alma mater. Only in the mind of God. Who shall believe this report? Talk, Dr. Hayes, before I start shouting. Well, God is truly amazing. We say that, but I think we have less than adequate understanding of the amazing things that God can really do. And I always say that God is eternal, therefore he looks at the events of life from an eternal place, from an eternal perspective, God can see everything from beginning to end and all places in between. So for us, we're on a uh, trajectory, as it were, and we're understanding and seeing as we go along, but none of it is a surprise to God. All of these things have been wrought in the mind of God long before we ever thought about it. 
I, I love that Psalm 149 that says that God knows us all together when we were knit in our mother's womb. He knew us, every bit of us. And he knows our thoughts before we even think them. I mean, all of this is just too <laughs> incredible to even try to explain or talk about, but it is the wonder of God that keeps us energized and always standing on tiptoes looking to see what God is sending in our direction. And by the grace of God, we are prepared for whatever it is when it comes. Is that amazing? Absolutely amazing. I mean, I was thinking about, as you were talking, I was thinking about the also a psalm. I think it was the psalm of David, that who is man? And I want to use inclusive language. Who, who, who is humankind? That you're mindful that of us. That you're mindful of us. I mean, who, when you think about our being as many beings in the universe, but yet God is mindful of our little speck amongst billions. And then generationally. Who is the son or who are our children Mm -hmm. that you are mindful of them? Mm -hmm. So, wow. You know, what can we say but what a mighty God we serve. And he is truly amazing. And she is too. Amen. You know, I was was thinking I had the occasion. I I often, um, every chance that I get, I I, um, have this. This is what I call the coffee cartel. And um, and every time I meet with my co-conspirator coffee cartel member, we end up having on the same color scheme. And it's ridiculous because it's like, you know, I don't ever plan what I'm going to wear, but just the other day, I kept saying, no, I'm going to wear this red and black, red and black, red and black. Going, and I, it wasn't no problem. And there he sits, and I had to take a selfie. I said, here we go again. I couldn't do anything but laugh, you know. And, um, and it's like sometimes you can just think, and there it is. You can think of an item. Think of a person, think of something, and there it is. And you're like, wow, I had no idea. That that energy, and I think that, what is that? You, you introduced me to David Braden. Greg, Greg Braden. Braden. David Braden, I think, is Victor Newman on The Young and the Restless. Braden, the last name, everybody knows Victor Newman. But but um um that that quantum physics and um, that spontaneous healing of our beliefs just really still resonate with me in so many ways because we have the power 
our thoughts become who we are. And we are thoughts in the mind of God. And because we're the thought and the mind of God, here we are as beings. <laughs> and, and, and if God is that powerful and we have the image of God in us, why is it surprising that we, we can, what does it say, call things into existence? Hallelujah. Call things that if, be not as though they were. As though they were. That's, yeah. that's some kind of power, Dr. Hayes. Well, I think this is, this is the amazing power that most of us had never tapped into. Not fully ever. Um, because I, I have that experience with you. I can think of I can think of you and say, Oh, I haven't heard from Dr. Cooper and you'll call within seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and that happens. I was trying to find a friend of mine a few weeks ago and I had an old phone number in my phone. And it kept ringing busy, and I kept saying, God, where is she? I I went online, and I said, she's still alive. And um, I said, well, wonder if she's in the hospital or something, or maybe she's on vacation. Uh, Why would her phone be ringing uh, busy? That people's lines don't ring busy much anymore. But within a few days, she called me. And I said, well, will wonders never cease? That's one of those old things my mother used to say. But it is a wonder. Uh, The power of our thoughts uh, and the power of that spiritual part. I always say that the spiritual part of human beings is the mind and the emotion. Those things are invisible, but they're awfully powerful the mind and the emotion dictate to the body what it should what it should feel like or what it should do so that's that is the power within which the power of god resides the spirit of god is always energizing us whether we tap into it or not it's always there and what a wonderful thing it would be if we learned to live that way, always tapping into the mind of God, the spirit of God, the power, the energetic field that that allows us to have our being <laughs> and keeps us alive. And so, so why is it, and I mean, oh gosh, it's like you have to guard your soul. Let's guard your mind, and that is to make sure that we um, that our that our our thoughts are not on things that are foolish. And it, the idle mind is the devil's workshop. That's that's an old phrase, right? And and h- how we constantly ingest garbage. If the garbage is sensationalism, rhetoric, vitriol, hate speech, things that are not life-giving and affirming, that can become who we are in such a way that we don't have that ability to discern. And so rather than seeing the image of God reflected in humankind, we begin to objectify others and see them as not 
human enough to where we can set up these systems of oppression. I mean, that's the whole idea of determining whether or not uh, those who were enslaved, the enslaved Africans in America were seen as not humans. You know, that you can see those old pictures with, with African ancestors with tails, you know, saying all these old crazy kind of stuff. Even, even to the point, Dr. Hayes, I always say this, that the 27 books of the New Testament were justified by a historian, church historian named Athanasius, and his whole point, this was in the 4th century, his whole point to put these 27 books together because there are other scriptures, there are other gospels. There's the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of, of, of uh, Thomas, Thomas mm-hmm. uh, uh, all these various gospels. These stories were written as a journal entry of their encounter with Jesus. So anybody who had an encounter with Jesus in history wrote about it, which is nothing unusual. But Athanasius wanted to justify the fact that Jesus had a soul, that, that, that these scriptures that he put together would lead to the point that there was a soul, that he was not only human, divine, but his soul had a place in history. So I'm saying all that to say that our mind and our soul and our bodies are so inter- intricately connected, intricately connected, that if we surround ourselves with people whose thoughts are on all manner of evil, how am I going to cheat another person? How am I going to... Um, create these laws that I mean how do you get how do you get to this place of of not thinking that it's gonna come back this energy that I put out I mean we talked about this our last podcast how in the world can we dismiss and then have the nerve to say in God we trust that we're doing these things in this in our the God that we think about that that becomes our God and the God that we think about that becomes our God really stems from a capitalistic mindset. It all goes back to this other stuff that our minds are not on the interconnectedness, but it's really on selfish motives. How can I advance my agenda? I'm thinking about me so much that I don't care about my neighbor. Well, I think all of that's lack of a real understanding of spiritual things. I think that that if we don't uh, engage with our children about spiritual matters, that they are ill-equipped to function in a world that's totally absorbed with the advancement of self with the accumulation of wealth and with the idea that I cannot have all that I want or be all that I desire to be unless I keep other people down or away from the spot that I'm, I'm working to acquire. When in actuality, 
if we were if we were taught about spiritual things, then we could think about whatever it is we want, and we could prepare ourselves for whatever has entered our mind. In other words, the thoughts that we think really come from God. They become the inspiration that propels us into the future that God has prepared for us. But we have to be open to that, and we have to be willing to, I would say, this is the way I see it, just leave other people alone. But we always got to mess with other people. Let let other people alone, and you do you. <laughs> and you will be you will end up exactly where God had intended for you to be without having to hurt anybody else. And see we give too much power to other people when the real power is within us. That whole level of manipulating. You know, it's kind of interesting. I I remember when I was coming through um, the board of examiners. That's the for those in the podcast world who who might not understand that language. That's the um, the ministry training arm, pastoral ministry training arm of the AME Church, African Methodist Episcopal Church. And um, I remember early on. This was over twenty something years ago um, when I was in a board and admissions, almost maybe twenty four years ago. That's a lot. 24 years ago and sitting in those cla- the class on admissions and, and hearing different, different schools of thought. And one of those schools of thought that really struck, stuck with me is never ask for anything. You do the work. All everything else would fall into place. Um, and I see that that has been pretty much how I've lived my life, that you don't ever ask for anything if you do the work. You know, whatever that work is, whether it was chopping cotton as a kid uh, down in the boot hill of Missouri on the family farm and, and making a little money uh, with Mr. A.R. Denton riding the back of the truck because I wanted to make $35 a day um, and, and working really hard, but never asking for anything. And one of the things that I, I, I've seen in those who are newer in ministry, not in age, but just newer to this pastoral ministry context, to see uh, maybe thinking that, that maybe the place where they have been sent is not the place where they should be, thinking that this was not the place that God has them for the work and I and I know that you know all of our appointments are done at the hand of humans, you know through the, the through the power and discernment of a bishop with the uh, input of the presiding elder. But even even with that, I don't think it's accidental. I think that the human agency is just a conduit. But if we put the work in, whether it's in a in a small rural community or if it's in an urban context, that wherever we are, it's also where God is. And if we could shift our mind to think 
that that's the incarnation. That's the spirit. That's, that's, that's a whole mind shift. It's like my dad used to say, when my mother would always say, well, Billy, why don't you do X, Y, and Z? And my dad said, would always say, well, God is with me in the garden as I'm picking strawberries or turnip greens or, you know, working. God is with me there as God is sitting with me at St. John or Northside. God is with me in the car. God is with me in the shower. God is with me. And that makes, that's, Thinking. This thought came to me this morning that we always want to treat God like our next door neighbor instead of understanding that God lives in the house with us. I said, ooh, that'll preach. <laughs> that was the revelation that I got this morning in my, you know, as I was meditating, musing. But, th- but for so many people, God is outside somewhere. You know, next door. When God is saying, I'm knocking at the door. If you let me in, I'll come in and sit down at the supper table with you. And I'll be there from here on out. But most of the time, we we, we don't think about God as being in us. Uh, we think about God being somewhere outside of us. And we have to try to summon God or we have to try to convince God or we have to try to explain to God as though God were some other entity outside of ourselves. And I think that's a hard thing for some of us to get, that that God is really in us and that being born of the Spirit means that we have the inhabiting God. And uh, our elder said one time, would you rather have a habitation? Or what was the other one she said? I forget the other part of it, but we, uh, we always say we would rather have the habitation of God. We'd rather have God living in us than having God live next door. I, um, you know, I, I, I lean into this conversation I have with Unc. That's what he knows who he is when I say Unc. And um, he had said a long time ago that he sees his body as his worship space. And so he treats his body as the temple. And and that means because I asked him one time when he, when did he stop eating meat and it was it was a progression because I I was becoming a pescatarian um, and then I said I had become a vegetarian when I was in middle school eighth grade I stopped eating meat for a long time and you grow you you grow up around farm animals and stuff and you see how they're treated you you just kind of not even want to do that so it's easy for me to pivot I don't have to have meat. But but I know that the protein, and so I was asking him, I said, well, where do you get the source of protein? And he said, well, you know, if you eat healthy enough, you'll get plenty of protein. Um, but it's just the balance. And, and I was getting, you know, getting some wisdom. But when he said that he treats his body as his worship, as his, as his house of worship, that was so deep because that, again, is this, I can't, God is here. 
God is all over. God is within me. So what I what is the what is the scripture that says it's not what you put in that defiles is what comes out. That there is this whole notion that if I see myself walking in this authority, not this authority authority figure, <laughs> but this authority of power, then I could occupy all the spaces where I am and never have to shrink to make somebody comfortable because this authority in which I'm walking in, this, this, this holy power didn't come from me and 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 I don't have to I don't have to feel un, I don't have to feel bad for who I am and and if I'm treating this body as this temple I'm not worshiping myself as not narcissistic or or um, conceited but it's gentle I'm being gentle with myself I'm treating myself the way that I want to treat others. I can't love my neighbor or God until I love me. And if I can't love me, then how can I love God? Because God is in me. And it, I mean, it's like a whole different, it sounds real crazy and <laughs> mystical. Like that nanny tootsie kind of stuff. It's a mystery. Inexplainable. But if I'm going to treat myself bad, then I can easily treat you bad. But but that's that's not how God intended. And there is so much. I, I saw on the news the other day about the increase of depression in children because of the pandemic and because of other social media influences. Um, and I'm thinking, how do we shift the minds of minds that have not been fully developed? If I am seven years old and experiencing adult symptoms of depression, where is my mind? As a kid, frontal lobe is not fully developed. How in the world do we get here? And how do we alter the mind to get it back? That's the opioid epidemic that we kind of talked about too, that those pain pills trick the mind into thinking, telling you you don't hurt when that pain in your knee is still there, but your mind has been altered in such a way that you forget and you could do irreparable damage to this temple because you're not thinking of that pain. But by the same token, we can deal with the pain through meditating, not focusing on it, not medicating, if that makes any. It's an interesting management. Well, I think it's 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 the power of it's the power of that the mind and the spirit working in concert, and that when we allow ourselves to operate out of that spirit realm, as opposed to what they would call the flesh or or body 
preoccupation with body. That's what most of us are totally preoccupied with our bodies. And, can, and, and, and if we can find a way to get up and get moving and thinking about something else, or worshiping God, these kinds of things take us out of um, the body, out of the self. And uh, it's amazing. People will tell you, you know, the power of meditation uh, is that I can focus my energy Godward as opposed to focusing on what's going on with my body or what's going on in my atmosphere that I don't like or, or focusing on what somebody said to me that hurt my feelings. See, but you are in control of your mind. That's the thing, that we don't take authority over our mind. We allow certain things to come in and dictate to us how we feel, but it starts with the mind. And if we don't, if we don't listen to wholesome things, <laughs> if we don't listen to people who have our best interests at heart, if we don't um, give ourselves to experiences that build us as opposed to experiences that take from us, then we're going to end up right where that takes you. But as this is the freedom that all of us possess. This is the freedom that every human being possesses. Freedom of what's going to go into my mind and what I will allow into my thoughts that will dictate my emotions and my actions. And this is how it happens for all of us. This is not, there's, there's no discrimination here. That a lot of times... Um, People want to control you, and that's how they do it. They speak ugly things into your mind. They tell you you ain't nothing, you ain't never been nothing, you ain't going to be nothing. And they'll tell you that over and over again, and that thing begins to resonate in your mind. And then you begin to feel like you're nothing. See how it moves from the mind to the emotion? And I feel, I feel, and then when, when I feel bad about myself, my head drops, my shoulders drop, my countenance falls. And so as my total being has been infected and affected by somebody else's dictate or thought concerning me. And that's what we said. We're not, we don't need to worry about what other people think of us. Don't, don't, don't think too much on that. But what does God say about us? And that's where we have to develop this practice of mindfulness. Going back, who is God? That God is one. And this is exactly, we're saying the same thing. This is exactly what I mean, that we have to practice practice. mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the tendency... For us to give that power away is so strong among a lot of our people. Yeah, we'll give we'll give our uh, mind over to almost anything or anybody. Has that 
So if we look at black folks in particular, and I'm not going to say people of color, I want to talk about Negroes in America, in the United States. We'll make it plain. Make make it plain. Real plain. Black folks in America who we we would say still suffer from slave mentality that that you have to have because of that mind manipulation, knowing fully well the only way to make it doable to be subjected under the horrendous conditions. This is too much. I'm getting choked up. <coughs> that your mind had to be told you knew it wasn't right. But that whip. But then you have people like a Denmark Vesey who could say, I know God is not like this. I know this is not right. Before I be a slave, you had you had folks whose minds were so strong. The minds became stronger than a body. And when your mind becomes stronger than your body, you can overcome. Mm-hmm. That's the strength. That's the resiliency. Yeah. And with those whose minds are free, that's when the system wants to do all that it can to put you back into enslavement. Yes. And when you know better, there's no way of going back. It takes a lot, Dr. Hayes. We we've gone <coughs> a long while on this night. We better wrap it up. We better wrap it up because I'm getting choked up and I'm trying to get my mind on this, but it's been real. Sitting at the seat with you tonight. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.